Well, stupid, are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll on. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! That's right, from Hollywood, it's the fourth and final, and not final, because we still have a couple more of these to do, Hollywood episode of the Hollywood Podcast, where Hollywood things are happening, fantastic things are happening on an island, and the editors, the good editors, have not been called in to help. That's right, it's the Hollywood episode of That's Not Quite Hollywood, old folks. I'm your Hollywood host, Jordan, joined by... And I'm Mark. Thank you. And what a Hollywood episode we have planned for you today. That's right. You've, you've seen us cover good Looney Tunes movies. You, you've seen us cover okay Looney Tunes movies. But today, we're not going to do that. We're going to cover one that, uh, despite the nostalgic findings of, um, of this movie from our pasts, we've hit upon a Looney Tunes movie that has not held up whatsoever. Nope. Not in the slightest. And uh, we're here to cover it because we're doing all the theatrical movies in order and this is the fourth of the five freeling ones and so we might as well do this one so uh today we're covering daffy duck's fantastic island and boy do i wish do i wish jordan that we weren't would would you rather be doing the bloom house fantasy island i haven't seen that one so at least um, it'd be a new film experience for me it's <sighs> Okay, because I, I caught this on cable last year, actually. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, Bloomhouse, Jason Bloom is a horror movie producer. Uh, he did a, um, a remake of the Fantasy Island series, and he did a movie version of Michael Pena and the Mr. Rourke role. And it wasn't good. It was barely a horror movie. It was more of a, things, a movie where occasional jump scares happen and more dumb luck and like careful what you wished for shit goes one over the other over the course of the film and it was an attempt to make an, a formerly nice ip look sinister by comparison and it didn't really work out it had some kind of okay elements but it wasn't a good movie whatsoever and i would gladly watch that movie again over rewatching fantastic island i mean you know i i, I really don't understand that because the sheer charisma of uh, Ricardo Montalban is perfectly suitable for scary things. I've seen well, that man in Spike It's 3D. Oh, Junie. <laughs> you have to remember. Only a rich Corinthian lever can defeat Sylvester Stallone. Why, why does that sound Russian for some reason? Junie, don't you know I spent a, several of my years in Moscow? Developing the Star Trek movies. I think it went rather well. <laughs> but you know what didn't go well? This movie and Fantastic I'm Island. We're getting off track. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting off track a lot because I don't think neither of us want to talk about this movie. But um, And also, j just to preface this, um, we've covered bad things on this show before. We've covered Seven Arts um, things. We've covered uh, Porky and Daffy Meet the Groovy Ghoulies. When, while this one isn't as bad as some of those... Oh, there no. was a lot in these that pissed us off. Yes. And we're going to not really hold back in, in telling you why. Um, but uh, 
it, it it's a disappointing because the first three comparatively are all really good. Um, you know, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie is fine. Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie is great. A Thousand One Rabbit Tales is not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. And then we have this one where everything just sort of falls off a cliff, uh, quality-wise. Yes. Which, okay, we've belabored the point enough. We should probably get into backstory and why this didn't work and, you know, and actually get into specific reasons rather than just saying it's bad. Yeah. Okay. So, this movie, and this is actually a pretty big statistic when talking about this movie, um, between the previous Looney Tunes movie and this one, between three and four, there is a nine-month interval. That's not a lot of time between, like, two different movies from the same IP and genre. So, if you're basically saying, hey, come see our Looney Tunes movie, and you've just done one nine months ago, it's going to be hard to get people back to the theater when when the last one is so fresh in their minds. And this was the era where it was basically every year or so they would do one. And they were hitting for like November and October sort of release dates so that they would be stagnated enough. It's like, okay, it's this time of year again. It's time to do a Looney Tunes movie. But this came out in August of 1983 after the November 1982 uh, release of the, the last one, which is curious. Did the Warner Brothers studio know something in burying this one in August rather than having it back in November? That's the odd part about this. Yeah, yeah, that, that is very odd because as established in our experience in seeing movies, August, for the most part... You don't want your movie coming out in August. Because that's... Yeah. In terms of audiences, because for the kids, it's their summer vacations are coming to an end. They're going to go back to school shopping. The parents are not going to have the money to send their kids to see a movie right now when that can be used for school supplies. Uh, same, with, same with young adults. Same and with adults in general. They just don't want to see a movie in August. So there are very few movies released in August that have done incredibly well. Well, I mean, there are two really exceptions to that rule. The one exception that has contemporarily thing is if there is a big tentpole movie that the studio has planned in August to try and begin an August sort of burgeoning point. And that was what happened with Marvel putting out Guardians of the Galaxy in August in right. 2014. Until American yes. Sniper came out, that was the number one highest grossing movie in 2014. The other reason why August would be a good point for box office would be in a year like, oh, I don't know, 2021, where the mo the bulk of the summer movie season has been compromised due to COVID. And a lot of the big August releases will be, you know, important oh, yes. sort of, you know, movie releases. Um yeah. Especially when the big parts of the season are June and July rather than May. So exactly. August isn't always a dumping ground, but in 1983 it was. And, okay, another thing that may have factored into this movie's um, not-as-greatness would be the idea 
sort of circuit of this. I don't know enough about this to make a claim that it's completely true, but this is what I know for a fact. There is a story credit for this movie given to a man named John Dunn. John Dunn was with the Looney Company since the 1960s. He was in charge of co-writing stuff, animating stuff. Um, he, um, some of the stuff that he was part of, uh, he, he co-wrote, he prepared, which we loved talking about. He was um, in the, the animation studio for stuff like Louvre Come Back to Me and Pied Piper of Guadalupe, Bill of Hair. He was a guy, uh, Aqueduct, The Unmentionables, he, Transylvania 65,000, to be for not to be, he was in a lot of the sort of late era Warner um, productions, and he was a supplemental name when a lot of the people like McKimson and Jones were leaving. John Dunn was one of the minds that Frizz Freeling could rely upon when a lot of his pieces were, like, out the door. So from what I can gather, in the 80s, where John Dunn was still part of the process for the Looney movies, John Dunn, and, and, and as well as, um, John Dunn was, was probably in the same, like, meetings with Dave DeTighe, who was another, the other writer in this, and producer. But I believe that John Dunn was involved with the central idea of what if we make a fantasy island sort of thing. And I feel like the idea-making process of this one, it was more like, okay, just throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck. Because they had done a lot of, like, they had done a good bridging for the Bugs Bunny movie, and with A Thousand and One Rabbit Tail, they were beginning to grasp at straws. And so they were running out of real ideas for bridging for the Warner Brothers. And what I imagine happened is that John Dunn said, hey, why don't we do this Fantasy Island idea and do it this way? And, and he did a, a rough sketch of this idea with Frizz and Dave DeTighe, and Frizz might have been going, oh, I don't know. And then um, in January of 1983, John Dunn dies. And I think that the reason why a lot of this film isn't as fleshed out as it could have been is because one of the chief idea men was out of the picture for most of production. Also, you could theorize that, you know, John Dunn dying may have turned Frizz's hand and saying, okay, I should, we should do this in tribute to John. And as a matter of fact, in tribute to John Dunn is one of the things in the credits of this movie. So maybe... Frizz did this movie, even if it wasn't the greatest idea, as a favor for a friend that had just died. I mean, Chuck did it um, with Frizz's death, with From Hair to Eternity. Sometimes a favor for a fallen friend is sort of outdoes quality. And so my theory is that Frizz made this movie because he wanted to respect the career of his friend, even if the idea wasn't the greatest. I don't know if you have a different standpoint on that. Um, I don't. I, I, I do think it's it's nice. It's a nice thing for Frizz and David to do to honor their uh their their their, their friend. Right. However, while the idea of this came from John Dunn, David and Frizz, they still had to take that idea and go with it. Yeah. 
And what they're able to do with it is very basic. Now, I I haven't watched the Fantasy Island TV show. That was kind of a bit before my time. But from what I remember it, it's what's in this movie. It's, oh, the white suits. And yes. a character says it's a plane and it's about wishes. And like, so they get the basic essentials down. But that's about it. So it, it, it's a very it's a very boilerplate send up of the series. I mean, honest to God, the fantasy island, the fantasy island parts of this of this wraparound aren't the parts I have a problem with. It's really everything else involved with oh. story writing. Oh yeah. And so you think that in terms of making a solid story for this, that they could have needed John to really help them rationalize a lot of the screenwriting things. or Because there are moments in this movie where it seems like they're paddling without a destination. They are just sort of like, okay, why are they here? Who knows? Let's just get them to this central piece that John did. And it, it, it's a little infuriating. Um, this comes out in uh, August, uh, August 5th, 1983. Um, I don't have anything of note that happened on that day. I just, I just have theater stuff. Do you have anything of note that happened on that day? Nope. Okay. Um, in theaters that day, and this is a pretty good uh, comedy um, list here, um, John Landis is Trading Places. Great movie. One of my dad's favorites. Yeah. Um, Harold Ramis' National Lampoon's Vacation. That's another good one. And Woody Allen Zellick was in theaters. So, a lot of great comedies mm. that day. Uh, the top song in, in the U.S. Uh, oh, God. Mark, I think that there's a running gag of ours that I think we have to bring into the podcast. Oh, no. It, is it him? Yeah, the top song in the U.S. on this day in 1983 was Every Breath You Take by the Police. <laughs> so we have a number of running gags involving Sting. Uh, I have one that I don't think I've told Mark about, or I may have, may have one time. Um, where I was doing improv at back at college and there was something about like the police in, in, in this scene and I came in as Sting and to, 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 to quote my friend Mick, coming into the scene as Sting was a good idea. Continuing to be in the scene as Sting was not a good idea. And so for the rest of the semester, people were like, like whenever there was a scene running along, people would go, okay, Jordan, come back as Sting and we'll end it. <laughs> So that's one of our running gags. And the other one, uh, Mark and I, one, yeah, go. <laughs> I was just happened. Um, so during this whole thing, me and Jordan have been like watching movies. We, we, yes. Mostly like Disney movies from our youth. So yes. one night we're like, let's watch the Emperor's New Groove. Cause mm -hmm. I love that movie. Don't see it in forever. So we're watching this and like, and like we know, basic Disney trivia about that movie, how it was going to be yeah. called Kingdom of the Sun. It was going to be this grand epic. Yeah, Owen Wilson was going to be in it. Wow. Yeah, Owen Wilson was going to be in it, and Sting was going to write the music. Sting mm -hmm. was going to be to Kingdom of the Sun what Elton John was to The Lion King. Also to date this, we're recording this on Elton John's birthday. So happy birthday, Elton. Oh, happy birthday, so, Elton. Yeah. <laughs> 
Love your Muppet Show episode. Um, anyways, so long story short, the the movie goes belly side up. It, it, it's not working. So they're like, you know what? Let's scrap let's scrap the entire thing except for a few a few things. Um, they they kept Eartha Kit. They kept Eartha Kit. Oh, good. They kept um, I think they kept the llama thing. Uh, oh, 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 no, there was a llama yeah. in the movie, but mm-hmm. so they kept the llama thing. And that's about it. So they redo it as the Emperor's New Groove, and they had to call Sting and say, "Listen, Sting, um, we're not using any of your songs in the movie." And Sting's like, "Oh, I got cut out. No, like he got cut out of the movie." But as a constellation, they let him write a song for the Emperor's New Groove, the end credit song called "My Funny Friend and Me." Which doesn't match the tone of the no. movie at all. What those lucky guys should have to be. But that unusual blend of my funny friend and me. But it got nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. We were just going the whole watch. We were like, how pissed was Sting the entire movie? It's like, what? This could have used one of my songs. And. and <laughs> And it became a running gag in all of the movies that we watched that Sting would inevitably have a song that was cut from this. And sure enough, we were watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I'm I'm reading the um, the IMDb trivia, and sure enough, the last song in Who Framed Roger Rabbit was supposed to be um, uh, a Sting song. And so it literally became the running gag of apologies to Sting, we ran out of time. And Sting just wound it up haunting us. Um, yes. He showed up on an episode of Jeopardy not that long ago. Yes, he did all the categories in Jeopardy, yeah. He showed up on an episode of NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts. Yeah. He, like, he, he, um, he also, um, <laughs> the, the one time Disney did allow Sting <laughs> to appear on a movie without any stipulations was as was as part of a trio for <laughs> Disney's Three Musketeers movie called All for Love. And all he does it, it's so it's so, okay so so it's Brian Adams and it's um Rod Stewart. And Rod Stewart and they're singing the chorus and then <laughs> <laughs> Just stings in the background going Let's make it all fun all and, and it's the funniest fucking thing Like I, I, I brought some on Twitter And, and Brandon, uh, your girls from Fragon Videos Oh like, yeah Yeah, I haven't listened to that song in a while And I re-listened to it And then when Sting came in with that Ah, oh, he just like, <laughs> I just think he just I think he genuinely forgot the words. He forgot the chorus hook. And so 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 make it oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Or that was just he was just screaming in pain because he has to do a song with Rod Stewart and Brian Adams. <laughs> uh. Oh god. Uh, so yeah, Sting haunts So we us love both. Sting. We do love, we Sting. love Sting. No, I, I genuinely really like we, Sting. We do. The, 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 the police is great. It really is. Yeah. It's, just, it's just so funny. 
The Police is an immaculate band. I think that he has a couple of really good uh, solo albums. Um, I think that his last album was really good. Um, I Can't Stop Thinking About You is a great song. Um, but yeah. But yeah, okay. This is another Frizz Freeling production, obviously. He directs the bridging and produces along with Hal Gier and Gene McCurdy. Mm-hmm. Writes it along with Dave DeTaigi and, you know, story credit by John Dunn. And this was Frizz Freeling's last directorial work. Yes. He does yeah. not direct Quackbusters. So that's uh, Greg Ford and uh, Terry Lennon, which we'll get right. more into them. We'll get to Quackbusters. Yeah, and, and, and Frizz just produced that one, right? That one's interesting, because, like, I think Frizz and Chuck and company, I think they helped. Like, I think maybe they, like, keep input and stuff just to put them on the right direction. Um, let me see here. Uh, no. No, oh. they, they did not. Uh, Stephen S. Green and Kathleen Shipley produced it. Okay, so it was kind of like it was outside the realm of the Warner Brothers people. Which, I mean, that's our next movie one. That's in 10 episodes, but, like, it'll be interesting. Yeah, because that's, that's the first... Uh, not really have, but, like, that's, like, the first generation who grew up with, like, the Bugs Bunny show. Yeah. Reaching adulthood and getting the opportunity to carry on the Looney Tunes. It's kind of the yeah. first instance of that happening. So that's... That's a much that's really- different sort of script. Oh, we'll get to that one in, in 10 or so, but I think it's going to be yeah, interesting to see yeah. what we think of that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, also, this is the first Warner feature that is focusing on Daffy rather than Bugs. As a matter of fact, um, Bugs' only dialogue is archive footage. Mel does not have any appearances as Bugs modernly. So, that's cool. interesting. Yeah. Um... Obviously, Mel Blanc and June Foray do voice work. Um, Stan Freeberg is credited as an archive voice. He doesn't do any new stuff here. As a matter of fact, they try and hide that they don't have Stan to re-record things. And uh, um, Les Tremaine does the voice of the wishing Mel. All right. Let's, should we get into it? <laughs> yes, we shall. <laughs> okay. So... um. The opening of this movie sets up pretty much everything you need to know about the quality. We start yep. with an easy, speedy Gonzalez, deplane, deplane, and then we pan down lazily to our to our title, Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island. The animation in these, even in just this, is not great. Nope, it's um, it's a bit shoddy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it feels like when a it feels like when a farm does a hayride, and they decide for the kids to paint um cartoon characters on it and hang them out into the cornfields that the kids go up by and be like, "Oh, there's Bugs Bunny!" And it's like, yeah. it's a decent Bugs Bunny, but you can tell it's not quite right. Yeah, it has that energy, and it also yeah. has. It also has, because um, in the opening montage, there's a shot of Foghorn Leghorn in like a bathing suit holding the sign that says uh, co-producer or whatever. And yeah. that, so, so, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, like, I think the animators were given the prompts of, okay, animate 
the, the Looney Tunes characters on a beach. Uh, this is set on an island, not a beach. This isn't Looney Tunes go to the beach. What did the animators think they were doing? Yeah, because that, that's how Foghorn Lankhorn gives off real... Come on over to Six Flags. We have a, yeah. I say, we have a water park. Put your head through where my head should be for some fun photos. It gives, it, it gave off that energy. It has the energy of, we have these characters and let's do these before the people who own them know what we're doing with them. Yes. Also, in regards to music, uh, Bill Lava returns. Oh. Uh, you know? And... There's a little bit of music from the opening sequence of A Thousand One Rabbit Tales. You know, the da 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 I was like, wait a minute. I heard that Leftover. Bill Lava isn't very good. We know this. But yeah, our opening does not really put us on the best foot. Matter of fact, it's some of the only new animation of Bugs that we see. And he's barely even in this movie. Did you enjoy that newly animated five seconds of Bugs Bunny Kids? Because that's all the new Bugs animation you're going to get. So, take it in. Jesus. Okay. So, we start with Daffy Duck and Speedy Gonzalez stuck on an island. It is not stated as to how they got stuck on this island, or why they were stuck on this island, or... Anything involving a plot as to why they need to get off this island, they're just stuck on this island. And right off the bat, this is a Warner Brothers animated production. This is not a De Patty Freeling film that Warner Brothers... This is Frizz and David at Warner Brothers. So you would think that the, the fact that our two leads in this are Daffy and Speedy, it tells you right off the bat that this is a De Patty Freeling written production like yeah they, even if, still I, I don't think kind of i don't think to patty was really in i mean because it, it he picked another david david detaigi right right but it's still very much freeling thinking okay speeding gonzalez is a good character well you see um uh, no to be fair he is a good foil for death that is what Speedy is the best at. As a character and stereotype and everything else, he's not great. But he works as a foil for Daffy Duck. That is why Frizz keeps working with him. Yeah, but show who would have been a better foil for this. Hmm. Is if you went, if you get a pan to the island and it was Daffy and Porky. They're a good team. Yes. Man, that would have been great. We're like, Daffy is so hungry because... Porky's a pig. Like, Daffy's like, like, have a runner. Like, he's so hungry that he wants to eat Porky. That works. It makes sense. It'll be fun. But no, because Frizz Billy's been running Daffy and Speedy, Daffy and Speedy combination cartoons for, for, God, I mean, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, like 20 years. He kind of stuck in that pattern. Like, no, this is how I write Daffy and Speedy. It's like, no. And actually, that says it's piggyback off of, no pun intended to piggyback off the point, but we've arrived on the island right at the point where Daffy is beginning to go nuts with hunger. Why hasn't he begun to eat Speedy yet? Like, it's a mouse. Smaller. Even if it is the fastest mouse in all of Mexico, it's still a mouse, and Daffy is still, you know... 
Unless that the whole friggin' movie, just, you know, Daffy failing to eat Speedy. Just... And also, we should point out here, um, and this is something that we disagreed upon uh, during the last movie, I think Mel Blanc's voice is still in pretty good shape. Yes. Yeah. Whew. I think his Daffy is still pretty good. I think his Speedy is still pretty good. I honestly think the myth about his voice being in rough shape started with Quackbusters. I agree. Okay. <laughs> so... Also, just a weird thing. Uh, Speedy has a watch because uh, Daffy says, you know, if I spend, okay, he's sick and tired of coconuts. If I spend one more minute here, I'm going to go insane. And then Speedy takes out a watch and it's it's like a send-up of the Mickey Mouse watch except it's yeah. Sylvester. Yeah. Because, sure. <laughs> and then we get a fucking frightening drawn image of Daffy. Because it's like right before he goes insane, <sighs> his mouth becomes distorted, and it's scary as hell. And uh, I thought the Quackbusters was supposed to be the scary one. Yeah, what the hell. That one's supposed to have all the monsters and, and vampires and shit. You know. Yeah, this one has off-model death. Ooh, Jesus. But this does lead to um, one of the first instances of this movie being really badly edited where Speedy um, looking for land or look, looking for someone to save them spots two sheeps in the distance. And look, there is a fun gag with Daffy thinking he means sheeps and not ships. But of course, it's basically a segue into much better animation. And there's clearly a disparity between Daffy and Speedy on land and the Captain Hair Blower animation on um, at, at the sea, like it's very, it, it's not like the Lillian Bugs Bunny movie where it, you had to really look close to see. Okay, well that one's been made come temporarily, and this one's like the original. Like there, here's a there's a very thought, like big difference between a lot of these. Yeah, it 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 reminded me, and I want you to, I think, Jordan, of, of like mystery science theater like movies where it's like, look, aliens are invading, and then clear cut to like stop footage. Like, okay, clearly that's not. It's it's. I mean, yeah, it's basically the um, the danger death ray episode. Where it's um, where they they go to like you know they they see these these people getting onto a helicopter. And then we cut to a helicopter getting onto a boat, and it's clearly, like, models in a bathtub. Like, clearly, it is, it is like, toys. And you just hear Trace as, as Crow going, Special effects by Billy! <laughs> Which is one of my favorite <laughs> all-time riffs. And you just hear Mike Nelson just going, These are not toys. <laughs> just... <laughs> it's the goofiest shit. The last shot of that movie is, like, a guy throwing... It's supposed to be a guy throwing a watch off a cliff, but he's really just throwing it in a pool. It's so bad. But yeah, that's what this reminds me of. Anyway, Captain Hairblower. Why is a pirate epic happening in present day? Captain Hairblower, I think, was supposed to be set in, like, the ancient times where there were pirates. But it's happening right now for the... And okay, okay. Can I go on to my rant about how the beginning of this is, ed is edited? Yep. Okay. Yeah, because that's pretty much my thoughts on the hair blower section. Uh, I think I have some 
uh, a, a few more positive things to say, but uh, yeah, pretty well, much. Well, I mean, Captain Hairblower itself is a good cartoon. It's really good. It's one of the best pirate Sam versus Bugs ones. I have a lot of nostalgia for it, uh, mostly from seeing it from this cartoon and then seeing it uh, contemporarily on HBO Max. But the Captain Hairblower one is where I began to grow really tired of the editing. Because the editing is not the friend of this movie. The beginning exchange of Captain Hairblower is funny because it's Sam doing his whole enemy ahoy speech. And Bugs is just sort of idly by on the ship and has to take hold of the ship when, when he hears Sam. Therefore, it's a very funny subversion where Bugs comes in and answers, Ahoy, dear! What's up, Doc? I think that's very funny. Here, because they're both out in the ocean and we're led to believe that this is Bugs' ship, this is hastily cut down and we just get, Ahoy, dear! And it's cut back to the, you know, them actually talking. So it's not as funny. It's very simple. And also... While this cartoon is going on, we cut back to lesser animation yeah. of Daffy and Speedy. And, okay, I'm actually uh, uh, shocked because I would have noticed this. I am kind of shocked that every time they cut back to Daffy and Speedy, it was different animation, not just the same animation looped or, or whatever. Yeah. So they're trying a little. Yeah, they're trying a bit. You know, there's... um. And also, there is a line Daffy says, uh, stop horsing around and rescue us. Look, Daffy, hmm. to be fair, what they're doing is much more entertaining than what you are doing. <laughs> so, yeah, Daffy and Speedy are doing the horsing around. Yeah, you guys aren't doing I anything. I would much rather yes. watch an episode of horsing around than actually watch the rest of this fucking movie. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, but they're doing this. They're, they're cutting back to Daffy and Speedy in order to tie this into the plot because this is really the only cartoon that isn't directly tied into the wishing well central, you know, your wish will come true kind of thing. And so that's why it's so awkward. And that's why Bugs Bunny is in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the only Bugs cartoon. Well, I think it's the only Bugs cartoon in the thing, right? One of two. Oh, right, there's another it's one. It's the very beginning and the very end. Has oh, right, from here to air. Okay, how can I which forget? Which is, All right, which is such a tease. That is such yeah. a tease, by the way. We only see Bugs yeah. the very beginning and the very end of this whole thing. And yeah, it's like Godzilla uh, in any Godzilla movie. All right. Exactly. Um, this is going to go out after Godzilla vs. Kong, so um, ho hopefully we'll have opinions by, by the time this comes out. Um, hope if it's good, hooray! If it's bad, boo! All right. Um, but yeah, speaking of, of okay, suddenly um, while we're doing Her Captain Hairblower and doing the very funny gags in that, we switch to new animation when it's revealed that Taz is also on Sam's ship. Where was he from the beginning of the cartoon? That would have changed everything in Captain Hairblower if this was a, a Sam and Taz cartoon. If if he yeah. went if 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 Sam throws the match into the powder room and, and Taz is still in there. Also, uh, credit where it's due. When I was watching this for the show, it did take me a moment to realize this was new animation. Because, uh. I, I don't know, for me, I, I, I found that the, um, the Yosemite Sam animation and voice, I mean, voice was a little different because, you know, you can't really match 1950s yeah. performance to a 1980s performance. But it wasn't too jarring. 
at least yeah. not as jarring as we would ha- that we would start to get later into the movie. Okay, right. So yeah, the, the Captain Hairblower ends. Sam's ship blows up, and it blows a treasure map towards Daffy, leading to some usual Olive Alba Bunny greediness from Daffy, basically popping right up against the camera a lot. Um, uh-huh. I, I did love the Daffy line where he goes, I'll make a wonderful capitalist. That was good. I forget that most of these Looney movies went out during the Reagan era. You think Ronald Reagan was a fan of the Looney Tunes? <laughs> hmm. I, uh, uh, Nancy and I are not a big fan of the duck. Uh, we're going to make sure that all the ducks uh, go to Russia and stay there. Uh, also, I'll send your mind, when when Daffy is excited, he yells out, No more coconuts! Keep that quote in mind. We're going to go back to that later. Because there's, there's something that pissed me off. From that okay. I, I don't know what this is. Um... Also, speaking of foreshadowing for later, um, when the shot of T- Sam and Taz paddling towards shore, uh, we plant the seed of Sam's rack and fracken cursing from hair from hair to air. Um, yeah. You know that that's nice. That's a nice little canonizing moment. Um, so we got a couple of scenes that take place on the island, getting up to the hook that aren't funny. Yeah, I- including a. Um incredibly racist joke at Speedy Gonzalez's expense. I missed that. Maybe I just didn't write it down because I didn't want to. Because uh, Daffy, because they have the map and Daffy says, okay, Speedy, here's the shovel. Go dig around the island till we find the treasure. And Speedy just says, why do I always wind up on the end of the shovel that has no gold on it? Uh, Hmm. Well... Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it's a lot of unfunny scenes uh, in a row, leading up to because um, it's, it's it's Daffy and Speedy following this treasure map, and it's it's Sam and Taz um, with one of Daffy's feathers trying to find who stole the treasure map, and it, it's not very interesting. But ten minutes into the film, we finally get the hook of the piece, which you know there's a rhyming wishing well in the center of the island that grants the witches. And you know, start small with Speedy getting some cheese. And I mean, thank God it doesn't it doesn't wish Speedy into a cartoon like everyone else in this. I couldn't stake another Speedy cartoon in these, even with yes. the memory of John Dunn. Mm-hmm. But also, right before they find the well, this is where the no more coconuts line kind of doesn't make sense because Sam and Taz find a chicken coop on Wait, the island. What? Yeah. They had that the whole time. Yeah, yes, they had a chicken coop on the island. I thought this island only had coconuts. Maybe Daffy was was too stupid to go off in another direction and get some. Yeah, but like, it's like a minute later after that, no more coconuts line. It's like, oh, so there's a chicken dinner <sighs> here. It's like, ugh. look, the writer who usually thinks of these things was dead. Yes, but you also had a writer who has written for these characters for 40 years by that point, so... Well, feature-length stuff must not have been a strong suit then, I guess. I don't know. It, yeah. Okay. But yeah... They find the well. Yeah, they find the well. Speedy gets cheese. Thankfully, he doesn't do a cartoon. 
Uh, and then Daffy wishes for superpowers, and so we see him as Stuperduck, which is a pretty good Daffy cartoon. And this is when the movie confuses the ever-loving hell out of me. <laughs> it's on the extreme. Like, from minute one, we get into the cartoons. This is when it pisses me off. But, okay. Let's kind of break this down. So when we begin the Super Duck sequence, we are to assume that Daffy, the one on the island, is now a Super Duck, as that was his wish. He wished to become Super Duck, and now he's Super Duck, and here's the cartoon. But it keeps cutting back to him. So while we're watching Super Duck, all of a sudden, Daffy rudely cuts in because... It's the section where Daffy's being Clark Kent. So we cut back to Daffy looking down the well going, wait a minute, that's not Super Duck. And immediately I'm like, wait a minute. So Daffy's just watching Super Duck. He's just looking to the well watching this cartoon. Which, okay. But then we get to the end of the Super Duck section. Oh, yeah. And it turns out... That no, Daffy has been Super Duck because he comes back to the island with his leg broken because of the rocket. Yeah, the so, rocket from the end launches him instead of to the moon back down to the island. So the rocket now isn't as good right. to get to the moon. It just rewrote the whole potency of this rocket from Super Duck. It's silly. Yeah. At least the, at least the space doesn't look like the sky. True. Yes, it does actually look like space. So, was the wish real? Was he watching like the audience? It's horrible consistency, and, yeah. and like, like it felt like the writers, and we'll get more into this as we go on. But it really felt like the writers didn't know if the well is the cartoons are watching their wish, and that's what they get out of it, or if it's they wish and then. Within the segue, we are to believe that the cartoon's happening in real time. You know who would have thought this through? John Dunn. Yes, potentially. Okay. So, Super Duck. <laughs> so, Super Duck's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I didn't like how stupid it made Daffy, honestly. Like, it, it, the, the, whole, the whole thing's based off of a misunderstanding. Yeah, but, exactly. um. But I do like uh, how Daffy goes into the broom closet and he comes out in a witch's costume with oh, yeah, like a witch cool. hazel laugh. That was great. It's like, ooh, wrong costume. Yeah. I also love the, the the repetition of this will cook a job for, and then eventually he just goes, you know who? Which I'm sure Joe Dante didn't go, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, Joe Dante loved this one because it comes back in, in, back in action. Yeah. Huh. Um, okay, so after this, after D Daffy realizes that the w well was legit, Daffy wishes for the island to be a little nicer, and the well uses the word transmogrify, which must have inspired a young Bill Watterson, and the full plot that Daffy and Speedy will play the part of Mr. Rourke and Tattoo and charge people $500 a wish goes into motion. Now, the thing that they set up here... That only, you know, that don't, as long as someone has 
um, the um, the map to the island, then they can control the um, the 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 well or whatever. That was stupid for some reasons that we will get into later. Yes, and Barbara, I, I will give some credit. The backgrounds are very well done. Yes, I I, I like the look of this island. It, it, it's yes. very well done. It's just that Daffy writing that didn't like the section because, first of all, Daffy says, by George, I got it, which is something mm-hmm. I don't expect Daffy to say. And no. and then we get a little bit of a, it's mine, mine, mine. And, you know, we're really, really bringing in the greatest hits with this. Yeah. We're really having Daffy just go through all the motions. Yeah. And, of yeah. course, Speedy says, well, what are we going to call this? And... Daffy Duck just goes, what else? But Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island. Roll credits. So then um, the Looney Tunes show up. Yeah. So all of the Looney Tunes characters book the first flight onto the island? How did Daffy get the word out exactly? How did these characters happen to be on the same flight, all of them at the same time? Uh. They didn't think this through. Nobody in the writing process thought this through. Yeah, and it's this section where all the Fancy Island stuff happens. You know, it's me yeah. says the plane to play. And, you know, and then Daffy's given this, uh, I assume, a version of the speech that is done in the show. Hi, I'm Mr. Roy, your host. Welcome to Fantasy Island. Here, you're going to do whatever you want to do, and, uh, and uh, whatever the hell it is. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, the rest of the film basically is just all of these Looney characters, you know, Grant had, you know, doing a wish in the well and it cutting to a Looney Tunes cartoon. And with, you know, occasional intermittent uh, unfunny Sam sequences. So. Okay. So, well, first of all, just a a very uh, quick thing here is that when we cut to the establishing shots of the line, there are characters in the line who, you know, because... There are characters in there that's like, you're supposed to show like all the Looney Tunes, except for Bugs Bunny, went to this island to get a wish. And mm-hmm. like Rocky um, Rocky and Muggsy are in this yeah. crowd. Uh, Junior and Mama and Papa Bear are, are there. Uh, Elmer Fudd is there. Yeah. Marvin the Martian is there. Uh. And uh, like, I get it. You gotta fill out the crowd, but. Would have been a little bit more exciting if it was every character who had a shortest thing or in were in the line so that the audience could be like, okay, uh, uh, Sylvester hasn't gone up yet, so that means a Sylvester cartoon is going right. to be showing soon. So you wouldn't get disappointed. Exactly, so I wouldn't get disappointed. Because um, right. the first person who comes up is uh, Granny. Yeah, and it's, again, June Foray is still pretty immaculate as Granny. It's June um, Foray. Did, did you think that, I don't know if it was like the copy we watched, but just think Granny's, like, like audio recording was a bit, like, oddly distorted? A little. Yeah, it was right. Like, Granny and Porky, first, I, I, I guess when they were recording, there was a problem in the studio. I don't know, but it sounds it sounded a bit oof, but eh, whatever. You know. I did like the opening um, exchange between Granny and the Well, just her going, hello, Well, and, and the Well just responding, hi. Hi. 
which is like it's 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 the well doing its mark impression. <laughs> All right. So Granny, uh, her wish is to be a nurse, so she's wished into Greedy for Tweety, which is a short that I only knew from uh, watching this on HBO Family all the time. Uh, I like Greedy for Tweety. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think this the best pit of this card. There's a lot of great bits in this one, but I love the little um, the sequence where Granny gives uh, Sylvester sleeping pills, and we just see from his <laughs> POV the dog going closer and closer with the bat, and then all of a sudden we just see yes. sparks. I love that gag so much. Yeah, and also I, I just love uh, Sylvester going to the X-ray room. You come back and just a skeleton of Sylvester, and then and then Tweety, Tweety and then rush him into emergency room. That's just also, like, and, and this uh, is in this is in the the new animation as well as I think is a reference to the old animation. But on, on Granny's incoming patients board, it just lists dog, cat, and Tweety. Not even bird, just Tweety. <laughs> yeah. And um, when we come back from that cartoon, it turns out it was real because uh, the granny is taking all three of them in wheelchairs. They're being wheeled off. They're like, hey, you know, you gotta stop doing this. You're running out of legs. So <laughs> the short was real. Well, where did it happen, though? Did they fly all the way to back to New York where this could happen and then back? It's it does it, it, it they've got to make it clear what's happening and what isn't because or else it just comes off like lazy writing which surprise this yes. is lazily written okay we cut to Sam and Taz for five seconds which is inconsequential and then we get Foghorn Leghorn wishing for a certain rooster to get his so and this is a very odd choice but we get Banty Raids which is a late era Foghorn Leghorn cartoon one of the last ones he did with Warner. Before the uh, disillusion. And um, maybe it's because I'm not a big Foghorn Leghorn fan, but I don't love this one. Well, first of all, I, I, I do like uh, the, uh, the the well going, I hear you, state your wish, drop your penny, or go fish. <laughs> nice delivery. Goofy. He's doing a great job in uh, yeah. in this this voice acting of, of the well. No, the well is, is honestly one of the most inspired original parts of this. Everything else is kind of canned. Yeah, and in terms of this short, it's it's Looney Tunes and Jive Talk. Again, actually, before Cool Cat, the, the, this is like their, like, pre- This is 64. Pre, uh, si- 63. The, the, this, this is, is 63. Uh, really, so this is like, right, when it's like, oh, we could be hip and cool, and no. Because... I, I don't like this character. I I just don't. Like, okay, I, he's a womanizer, I, I guess. And it's not that also, Stan Freeberg's not doing a bad, not doing a good job. He's doing fine. It's not Stan's fault. Yeah. It's just it's not a great character. No, and and also the reason this cartoon is in here is forwards like, hey, there's this chicken on my farm. I want him to get his comeuppance. I yeah. want him to get some sort of comeuppance. And the end of the cartoon, which first of all, um, I believe this is the full short, right? Like, like is there any? I think so. Yeah. This? So the end of this cartoon is the dog 
just has a machine that can turn Foghorn Leghorn into looking like a hen. Which is random yeah. and not that funny. No. It's just, it's, it's not a great choice for this one. But, and if we're ready to move on, then I'll do this one. Um, yes. Pepe Le Pew is up next, and there's some easy Pepe Le Pew jokes on the island. And he wishes to meet a, a beautiful girl unrivaled by any high art. So, of course, we see Louvre come back to me, which John Dunn worked on. And I think this is a pretty good Pepe Le Pew cartoon. Yeah. Not, not, it's, it's not that bad. Um, it is mostly an excuse to do art jokes, which, hey, that's fine, because they're good art jokes. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, his stench being so bad that the, that the clocks and uh, melting clocks are, are just rigid, and then they break. I also um, love the, the bit where yes, he's, sorry, yes. he's drawing the bit where he's drawing the the, the lady cat, and she go she runs away, and he just wa- draws the little puff of smoke over her. Yeah. Beautiful. I feel like, oh shucks, you moved. And also, um, the only also I, I do love how his statue is so bad that the colors like it, uh, a painting turns into a paint by numbers. Oh, that's uh, great book. That was a yeah. great gag. The only thing I didn't like is that one of the paintings is clearly a painting of uh, slaves working, oh. and 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 that one, it's the stench is so bad that it becomes a uh, a track race. It becomes like a running uh. thing. It's like ah, okay, that's uh. that's not cool. That's not cool. Speaking um, of racism, oh boy! Can um, we talk about these fucking crows? Um, uh, just, just one more thing. I don't like the Pepper the Pew like ending that you do. It's very just like, and again, it's like okay, he has a painting of the girl. So did it happen? Did he like get transported to France and like had this adventure? Then he comes. They need to state something, but they don't want to because it would involve effort. Like, like, listen. I'll even take a thing where like when they wish for it, they fall into the well. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. They fell into the wish, so they're like in a, they're in the wish they wanted, and maybe like the cartoon ends with animation of the the character. Just being whooped back up and just whooped back up out of the uh, the uh, the well. Right, that one I'd be fine. That would be fine because we would understand what's going on, but we don't hear. Anyways, no. so crows. So the crows. What was with these goddamn crows? Because we're on the island and it's Sam and and Taz looking for whoever had the feather, and it's these very Dumbo esque crows. Also, the thing that really ticked me off about it is, um, this is kind of like a, a general thing. Sam doesn't really do anything in this no, movie. No, he doesn't. All the action is reserved to Taz, which is fine. Taz is a fun character. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's wearing shorts, 
But he's yeah. a fine character. Did they complain about Taz's pantslessness, but not like Porky's? <laughs> what did they think Taz was going to do? Pepe Le Pew's not wearing any clothes. And he's the one that's going after all the women. Foghorn Leghorn's not wearing any clothes. Except for the part where he's a football player. And, but yeah, Sam doesn't do anything. Like, he kind of no, starts shit, but that's it. Like, he'll start shit, and he'll tell Taz, take care of it, which, that's boring. Also, a really bad edit here where the thing is over. Uh, Taz uh, took all their feathers. Turns out it's not, it's not them. And then the, uh, the crows are like, hey, Aren't you going to apologize? Yeah. And instead of a fade to black, which we'll get into, the fade to blacks, we'll get into that. But instead, it's just a hard cut yeah. to our tree for two segment. Oh, well, okay. So, first of all, the inclusion of a Spike and Chester cartoon. Like, we're hitting all the odd crevices of Warner Brothers. Like, like just... Not, I mean, because there's a couple people in this cartoon that aren't exactly the big characters you think of when you think of Warner Brothers animation, like Spike and Chester and Chrissy, and you know, but Tree for Two is a really good one, though. It is. Um, I, I love uh, the Wells delivery of "Hi, dog." It's like very nice, very friendly. Uh, yeah. Also, Spike and Chester. There are a series of shorts that I haven't seen much. In fact, I'm right. pretty sure this movie... Actually, I think I think Tree for Two is the only one I've seen because of this movie. Same, I think. Yeah. But they're great characters. But, yeah. And it's very clear that um, Spike is the only one that, that talks of the two of them when they're on the island because they couldn't get Stan Freeberg back. That sucks. But yeah, I really like Tree for Two. Um, I yeah. think... The mistaken identity jokes in this are great, and just a lot of assumption jokes, and I think it just really works. Yeah, and, and just Chester being a very good boy and very well yes. animated because his yes. whole thing is like he's very he he's a little pup, you know, he's jumping yeah. and excited. He's like, oh my god, what do we do? And and just you know, like he says, like Spike is my hero, and that's just heartwarming. Mm. And I love the vocal delivery from Chester when he's looking at. Sylvester, that rhymes. And yeah. it just goes to Spike, and it's like, you're kidding, Spike. <laughs> like, it's a great line delivery, and just, because you're big and strong, and I'm puny, and it's just, I love the short. It's so It's a so very good. wholesome short that's held up yeah, it's a very lot. Wholesome. Very wholesome. Now, if we want to talk about one that hasn't held up as much, um, because... <laughs> We get the Porky one, and Porky wants to discover new talents, and I don't think it was the best idea to do Curtain Razor, because A, Curtain Razor isn't a very well-remembered one, and B, uh, it's not my favorite. <laughs> I mean, look, again, I, I haven't seen this movie in years, so my first reaction in hearing his wish was, oh shit. Are we gonna watch Yankee Doodle Daffy? Because when I think oh, if only. Por 
Gorky Pig looking for time, like, oh, yeah, I'll see Nick do that. That's a great one. But no. We get a late 40s, 1949. And if there's anything that I've kind of come not to look forward to on this show, it's looking at shorts from the 40s. Because mm. they still have that little, that little bit of spice called, um, Racism. Yeah, that's it. So, there's... Because in this cartoon, there's uh, an Al Jolson character who comes in with the yeah. uh, Frank Sinatra and a Bing, and a Bing Crosby uh, character. Yeah. And he literally, like, spits out, like, ten jazz singers in a matter of 30 seconds or something. Like, it's yeah. just immediate. Like, see, see? See what we're doing? We're doing jazz singer. See, see, see. It's like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. That's racist. <laughs> and it's not. It is part of a not great bit. I mean, they just sing. That's fine. Yeah. And of course, it's not. It, the joke is, is that you know, oh, it's really, really good singing, and it's not not uh, professional enough for Porky. <sighs> and also, there's just gags in here that we've seen already from better cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like for example, yeah. there's a high diving act. I've yes. seen high diving hair, so I don't need to see it. There's a flea circus um, yeah. act. Seen it. Yeah. And, and the thing that gets me is this is one of the few cartoons that makes it very directly cut back to Porky that Porky's watching this. Because he says, uh, Africa, who, who, does, who wants to go into this anyway? Mm. So in that instance, Porky's watching this because it's not that hard to be consistent really not that hard (sighs) so uh sam and taz find the hotel and there's and there's a little bit here of uh you send me sam hiding behind trees and he hides behind a cactus Oh, and then yeah. we cut to, then we cut to uh, Taz taking the cactus thorn out of uh, Yosemite Sam. But then we get another Sylvester cartoon. First of all, it's Sylvester's wife, which who we don't see very often. We, I mean, we saw her with um, you know the the three the three cats, Goldie Mouse and the three cats from last time. But it's Sylvester and the wife making a wish, and. That leads into A Mouse Divided, and show of hands, who else forgot A Mouse Divided was this good? Because I was really impressed. First of all, I'd say that the first minute of this cartoon kind of had me against it, because right off the bat, Sylvester's a horrible husband. <laughs> he's, just, yeah. he, he's not being supportive to his wife. And we are once again in a drunken store drops off the long baby premise. Yeah. But as soon as Sylvester, as soon as Sylvester gives the idea to uh, go biblical on this mouse, it got me that quick. <laughs> it's, it's just... It's a funny one because it's the ultimate conundrum with with 
with Sylvester? Is it does he eat his child or does he father his child? And like this could have been a whole full length animated movie because of just how the cats at the midpoint start trying to come in and take him and he has to play the father. It's just it's so advanced and it's so well structured and has a beginning, middle, end kind of deal, and it's just really damn good. My favorite line in this is um again like Sylvester you know, his wife is saying that listen He's my son, and he's your son. And Fester just goes, really? So he goes, gets a table oh, and a cleaver, and he just says, You're a gambling woman. What do you take? Heads or tails? It's just so good. It's so lovely. And also, I love how um, his wife calls him a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a son. He's breakfast. But, yeah, I love that one. And it sort of works here. And, yeah. And so next is Prissy, right? Uh, yes, but before that, we do... So the end of the cartoon of A Mouse Divided is um, the stork comes back to get the mouse, but then gets Sylvester instead. <laughs> so... Okay, you know, I think this made the least sense of all. Because we begin with Sylvester is with his wife at on the island. And then we end with Sylvester brought back on the island to be given to Mouse parents. That does not make any sense at all. It does not. Go on. <laughs> <sighs> they didn't put any effort into it. Okay, so, next is Prissy. Because we lost B. Benaderet about ten years before this, June Foray's yes as Prissy isn't quite the same. It's it fine, but it's not the same as B. Benaderet. That was great. Yeah, they don't know why they could have just... I mean, she said yes a lot as Prissy. They could have yes. picked one out. Yeah, you know, an archive. Yes! They could have gotten Frank Nelson to do it. <laughs> hey Prissy, how are you? Yes. Um, he was still alive by that point. Okay. Um, we get a combination of two Foghorn and Prissy cartoons. The first minute is from Of Rice and Hen, which is just Prissy setup of Prissy wanting kids, and the second and the second bit of it is pretty much all of Lovelorn Leghorn, which we covered a couple weeks ago. And um, it's still a good cartoon. Um, I am peeved that instead of just playing the end of the cartoon as normal, which is uh, Prissy coming back to the hand house with a uh, foghorn in who's like knocked out, we kind of just get that ending again, but reanimated and recontextualized to be like, oh, are you guys going on your honeymoon? Yes! It's like, okay. Yeah. So, after this, Sam and Taz finally do something in this damn cartoon. Because Sam pushes a bunch of people out of line, gets to the front, manhandles his way to the well, even though he doesn't have money, and of course does a wish, and he wishes for a rich relative to give him money, and yay, we get from hair to air! Yes! Oh. And what I do like about this 
is it's actually pretty clear continuity because yes. I believe when we get to the cartoon that the Sam in From Hair to Air is not Sam, but the rich relative. Right. So it it works. It, it's a, it makes a little bit more sense. And, you know, as we discussed already, it's a really good 60s cartoon. And, hey, oh my God, it's Bugs so Bunny. Remember Yes. Him? It's fucking funny. <laughs> uh, he actually does some great things in this. We get the gags that we already talked so much about a couple of, like, like several episodes ago when we did From Air to Air. The... Yeah. The um the, the 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 piano playing which has become a meme. Um the 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 you like it, I like it, I like it. Every single yes. rack and frack and schmack and whackin', every single fall yeah. off a cliff, it's all so good. And it's all there. Nothing yeah. is cut. It's it's, from it's it. pretty uncut, it's, yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, as when Mark and I were, wa- were doing the watch of this, he just sent me the still of outside the castle. Because we have the, the video cuts of everything Bugs is singing, singing. So he just sent me the exterior of the castle, and I knew exactly what <laughs> part he was at. And I literally just messaged back. I dream of a genie sees a light of brown hair. <laughs> I should have messaged back all the lyrics to Sister Christian or or Without Me or whatever. Yeah. They're all the ones we've done. Jesus, we've had fun with that clip. We've had fun. And that's the last of the cartoons. That yeah, the rest of it is plot-ish. What plot? <laughs> yeah. The rest of this is just Sam basically deciding that the fun must end. I think, does Sam get thrown into the well? Or does someone get thrown into the well or something? I forget. So, uh, Sam, he finds out it's Daffy, and, uh, (laughs) Sam, to to get back at Daffy, he cuts Daffy's pants off, and Daffy just says, yikes, you've unpanted me, which, I don't, I don't like that line coming out of Daffy. It it felt like, it felt the same energy as Opus from Bloom County, where it's like, you know, he takes all the pride into finally getting pants, and then all of a sudden someone unpantses him. Yeah, like like for like five seconds they turn to school children. But um there is a so what happens is uh Speedy comes back. Oh yeah, then, where has he been the whole fucking thing? So uh Speedy just speeds in a pair of stairs so that Sam walks you know, he falls into the well by the stairs, uh Sam does. So And then we get a chase. Yeah, and there's a there's a, there's a chase, there's there's running, and then Sam has the line, the only two things a varmint will run for is money and public office. That's a good line. It's a great line. That's a good line. But there's a chase, and they're both running after the map, and then they get to, apparently, there's a volcano on the island. They didn't ma- manage to tell us that before. Also, uh, uh, the background's the background's got all watercolored all of a sudden. Like, all of a sudden, yeah. it's just, the detail's gone. It's just vague watercolors. But they're running after the map, which is blowing away, and they they get too far into you know, near the volcano, and they lose the map. And because they've lost the map, then the well decides, well, all the fun has to end, and the the island goes back to normal. That doesn't make sense. I also, mean, 
I I would like to have seen the map get destroyed. Yeah, we, we they didn't want to animate that. How come the entire goodwill of the island is entirely map based? Is it because you needed the fun to end? Because you needed the and we'll talk about that when we get to the actual ending outcome. But it just feels like a way of saying, no, this is a great concept, but it can't go on forever because the movie has to end. And we're left with these four characters stuck on the island with the well. And the well allows for three final wishes. And so Daffy and Speedy foul up theirs. Because Speedy wishes for a burrito. One of my favorite lines, by the way, uh, Speedy, he's talking, to, he's talking to Daffy. And he says, uh, you can wish for E.T. to get home. Uh, I didn't I didn't love that. I didn't love yeah. that line, honestly. It, it felt a bit shoehorny. Oh, um, neither did I. I love that ironically. It's like, haha, because E.T., the extraterrestrial, existed. Yeah, this was 83, sure. Yeah, this is a hard winding bit. Yeah, because Daffy and Speedy fell up their wishes. Speedy wishes for a burrito. Daffy wishes for the burrito to be stuck to Speedy's nose, which is cruel as all hell. And before Daffy can make Sam do his wish, Sam has already done it. He's wished for a new pirate ship, and he and Taz are sailing away, leaving Daffy and Speedy exactly where they started. And there isn't even a beat for us to really say, oh, well, we can at least do this. It literally ends with a Daffy, you're despicable, yelling at Sam and Taz, and we cut away before we actually have an ending. So, by the way, can I say that I, you know, thanks to this movie... I am now tired of this trope in uh, Wish movies of the uh, haha, they're wishing on stupid, inconsequential things. Hardy yeah. har har. It's it's just annoying. Like like it can be done well. Like uh, <laughs> like in uh, Shanghai, you know, in Put Up Shanghai. <laughs> yes, that that's a good example of this. This is not a good example. I of wish this Squidward was here. Ah, boom. Yeah, but like Speedy, it's like God. Speedy is why is okay, honestly why is Speedy Gonzalez here? Speedy's here because no Daffy reason. needs someone to talk to. It'd be funnier if it was Porky, yeah, or Bugs. Exactly. Imagine if it was Bugs and Daffy stuck on the ship. Imagine. Okay, hang on. Imagine if instead of you know, you could literally edit Daffy into Captain Hairblower. Have Sam's ship blow up and Bugs' ship blow up as well, and have Bugs and Daffy stuck on the island and get them there that way. You see, I'm making more writing effort than than Frizz and David the what the fuck is his name? David the Tigey. Yeah. So so what you're saying is you could probably write a better pirate based Looney Tunes movie, is that correct? Oh, yes. <laughs> I could. Uh <laughs> Now that you mention it, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mark, out of the fucking cobwebs. I remember shit. All right, so <laughs> do, do we want to bring this up later uh, about our little misadventures in writing? <laughs> I'll, I'll preview it now. I'll give you enough to do. When, I, when we were in, in elementary school, um, one, one, of my, one of the things I would do on my spare time is I would... I would basically do these storyboarded, like like several part stories, uh, and I and I would also do like like trailers for movies I would be working on, 
And one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to do a, a new Space Jam. I wanted to do, as a cash-in of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I wanted to do a pirate movie with the Looney Tunes called Lunatics Ahoy. And I'd made a lot of promotional material for it, but I don't think I ever really wrote it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pretty much what would, uh, I think it would have been a Pirates of the Caribbean send-up, but, you know, it's like Bugs Bunny and Jack Sparrow and like that. Pretty much. Duck. Yeah. I planned that one, and I planned like a, I did promotional stuff for a uh, Men in Black slash Ghostbusters one called Lunatics Beware. And I don't think I actually had any clue about story for any of those. I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. No, of course. So pretty much what we're saying is we totally could have written a better Looney Tunes movie than the people who wrote for these characters for 40-something years who at this Clearly. point were just kind of... Yeah. Uh, also, you know what else our movie probably would have had? What? More Bugs Bunny. Uh, Yeah. A lot more Bugs Bunny because... Um, there was barely any of them in this. Because cause this movie ends with Sam just saying, yeah, I'm going to... Go get that rabbit. So, like... You don't even see that. Has Bugs just been out to sea this whole time? He's just... He dropped anchor in the ocean with, like, a magazine waiting for Sam to return. Like, eh. Shit, Mark. You know what this goes back to? You know what this what? goes back to? This goes back to our ocean. other script idea from, like, several episodes ago about 8-Ball Bunny. Like, what if that had been the full-length Warner Brothers movie? Of bugs traveling right. the entire way trying to save the penguin. What if that's the right. movie we could have gotten, where Captain Hairblower would have coincided with it with you know Playboy the Penguin, and they're probably sailing off on a ship together right now. Oh, so almost like that could have been in this movie potentially. It could have been. been editing and some reanimations. Oh, so much could have saved this movie, but it just... I mean, I'd be yes. remiss if I didn't mention the very cute little ending tag where the well does a... That's all, folks. That's cute. Yeah, and I do like the use of the red rings as a background for the end credits. Yes, That's I a like nice that. aesthetic. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess that's one last thing I'll say about uh, the very end of this movie is that... The way Daffy says you're despicable, it's like, it feels, it feels forced. You know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, like, like sometimes, like when people will like watch a movie and someone says a catchphrase and some schmuck of the audience would be like, he said the thing! That yeah. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It had that in Because as soon as he says it, and it, it's just so matter of fact, like, uh, honestly, it's worse than when he said it in, um, Louis Louis Funny Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Y yeah. Yeah. It's worse they said it in there. Cause like, like that one felt like a current call. So it's like, okay, fine. This just felt like, well, we have to end it with your despicable. So go I for guess it. So. <laughs> guess so. <sighs> well, that was, uh, you know, that was um, something. Um, so, Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island. As a whole, it's not great. Not good at all. Bad. It's a bad movie. It's very bad. Um, 
The bridging felt lifeless and obligatory. There was too much speedy and only nominal use of Sam and Taz and no use of bugs. Um, the choices for shorts were odd and obscure. A lot of misses that really shouldn't have been in here. Uh, the animation editing was not good at all. Um, and the story of why Speedy and Daffy would be stuck here to begin with and what would happen to them was not complete afterthought. This was just... They wanted to throw an idea out there. They wanted to get another movie in theaters without really thinking about whether or not it could be good. And it wasn't. There were only a few good moments, mostly from archive footage and the occlusion of stuff like Tree for Two, A Mouse Divided, and From Hair to Air. Other than that, there's really barely anything good here. I did not like this movie. Nope. Like, I'm... I'm not quite sure if I dislike this movie more... And when I did when I was a kid, because again, I was never a huge fan of the Daffy Duck led Lincoln films. But as a movie, it's horrendously edited. Yeah. I counted. I counted. Um without without including the Fate of Black Star in the shorts proper, because that's just part of the short, there are twenty Fate of Blacks in this. It feels like a TV edit. It, it does like TV edit. And this was not TV edit. We watched a pristine, clean, um, no commercials, like straight from the DVD source of this movie. And it has all these Fade the Blacks in it. Like, uh, uh, honestly, the, the worst, the worst one of it actually is, um, there's a Fade the Black. And we fade back into just Sam and Taz walking across the island. And we fade black. Like, it, it, it's like five seconds of animation. And it's just horrible. And and the, the, the biggest issue for me, it's not consistent in its plot. You know, every, every single cartoon in this, it's Are the Wishes Real? Or is it the characters watching scenarios in which the wishes were to be? Because sometimes it's one or the other. And yes, I do know the main point of these little bits at the end is to do like a little joke at the end of the short. Little yeah. ha ha, a little, a little epilogue. But it doesn't work if it's inconsistent with itself. And the short selection is fine. It's, 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 it's definitely not a greatest hits reel. I personally would not have thrown that many Foghorn Lakehorn cartoons no, as there no, are in no. here. And oddly enough, there's only one Tweety cartoon in this, which is weird. Like, Tweety's kind of frizzes. Anyways, it's lesser animated. Um, however, I, I did find uh, Yosemite Sam to be pretty well done. Like, I feel like Frizz, like, so handily, like, you know, I'll animate Sam, because he's mine. It's just a thrown-together film. It's an average, at best, shorts compilation, and and just the biggest thing, I understand this is Daffy's film, but couldn't the movie have given us, like, a Bugs B plot, or something, yeah. or have Bugs show, or how, how about this, how about while Daffy is doing this business, Bugs, like, shows up, and Daffy's like, 
get out of here. This is mine. Yeah. This is my island. This is my movie. Have it be selfish or something. Yeah. Just something to tell us why Bugs Bunny couldn't be in this movie. Right. What Frizz had forgotten and what Greg Ford and company would remember in the next one is that Daffy is great when he's working off of Bugs and even Porky. And I think yes. that a lot of the mistakes of this movie would be rectified in Quackbusters, although there would also be a few other nude mistakes that would come up in that one. I'm very interested to see how that one is held up. Oh, God, yeah. But the thankful part about Quackbusters is that th that one comes five years after this one. So it's not being rushed out. It's not on the heels of a nine-month-old movie that people aren't going to want to go see. That one is justified, in a sense. And that one has some really cool short picks as well, some contemporary short picks from that time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to enjoy covering that one in about ten episodes. But as for this one, not good at all. Um, a lot was wrong here. A, a lot should have been rectified. A lot felt more like a favor in regards to an old friend rather than anything productive or quality or, or with quality. Um, I give this a 1.5 anvils out of 5. I'm also giving it that rating of a 1.5 anvils out of 5. I think I gave 1001 Rabbit Tales a 2 or 2.5. That one feels lush compared to this one. Oh my god. At least a thousand one rabbit tails is consistent. Yes. It's consistently bad, but at least it's it's commits to the bit. For instance, it's not like when Bugs is reading a story in Thousand One Rabbit Tales, all of a sudden Prince Abadaba in new animation is just in the cartoon that yeah, Bugs no. is reading. It's like that. That's what this short this movie feels like at times. It's like that. Right. <sighs> I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it either. Thank God. <sighs> well, at least the next ones won't be as bad as this. I hope. Yes. Yes. But before that, let's read some comments. Let's, let's see what you guys Hopefully you guys have. knew this was bad as well. So on the subject of Daffy Duck's Fantastic Island, or anything but, really, uh, our good friend Brandon at Invader Pet um, was pointing out, uh, you gotta love this film's inconsistency. Sylvester take, gets taken off the island by Nurse Granny, then comes back later with his wife. Brandon, you know they hadn't thought that through. <laughs> oh. We noticed. This is, this is 80s Frizz Freeling. 60s and 50s Frizz Freeling would have been on the continuity, not 80s Frizz Freeling. He was way out of it by then. All right. Our, our next comment is from uh, at Jessica Kazumi or uh, Sasha Waybright. Uh, she says, meh, the idea was a good one, but I'll stick with the actual series with Ricardo. Mm. Yes. I am Mr. Rock, your host. Welcome to Fantasy now, here, you go into this room, and you get to have events. It's basically the show. Uh, and, uh, she gave the movie uh, 2.75 anvils out of 5. She would give it a 3, but Speedy at times dragged it down. <laughs> the fastest mouse in Mexico dragging something down. How ironic. Yeah, we agree. Speedy uh, did not need to be here. I don't think Frizz and Co. needed to include him. 
and uh, he's not a great uh, foil for... Porky or Bugs would have been better. Yeah, Porky would have been a great foil for Daffy. Bugs would have been a great foil for Daffy, as evidenced by everything else they've done. Uh, Speedy was just in here because uh, Fritz Reeling enjoys working with Speedy. So, that'll yeah. do it. And um, at DMG Daffy, David Germain says, possibly the best pairing of Daffy and Speedy, but that's not saying much. <laughs> I rank it with the other pairings of Daffy and Speedy uh, very lowly. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, thank you everyone for your uh, comments on yeah. this very, very average film. Yes, this very um, frustrating film for us to talk about. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, we'll have a better one uh, in ten episodes, even though we probably won't. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Jordan, what was our in regards to our, our our complaints about this? One of them was that. There was not enough Bugs Bunny. There was barely any Bugs Bunny in there. Yeah. Well, next week's show is going to have significantly more Bugs with just yes. a little bit of Daffy. So what we're doing next Okay. Week, we're going to the Old West. We're going to be looking at three shorts that take place at the time of Cowboys. So the three we're going to be looking at are Bugs Bunny Rides Again. Good. Drip Along Daffy. Good. And Buckaroo Bugs. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's a pretty solid um, uh, assortment of, of, of stuff. I mean, the thing is, is that when you say Western, people will think, okay, it's a bunch of Yosemite Sam cartoons. No, there are other people that we're going to meet. We're going to talk to Nasty Canasta as well. There's going to be... Yes other characters and other western fun things that we're going to get to talk about next week and it'll be a lot of fun i think <laughs> all right let's get off this island yes man we didn't make one lost joke oh yeah we didn't make th that's odd the on a magical island like i was busy maybe? making ricardo montalban jokes Hi, I'm Mr. Rourke, your host. Welcome to Fantasy Island. That's the lost finale. It turns out it was it's all Fantasy, of Fantasy Island. Island. Don't tell me what I can't wish for. I'll see you in another well, brother. Not Porky's boat. <laughs> not, not Porky's boat. <laughs> Junior! Junior! Sylvester, oh, what Jesus are you doing? Christ. I lost my son! My son! <laughs> anyway, that's been our show. <laughs> uh, yes. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter for some reason, um, <laughs> you can follow me at MarkCallum1995. For some reason. And you can follow me at, at TallGuySchmidt for some reason. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast, uh, <laughs> we're going mad. We're going mad. Okay. Bonkers. Right. <laughs> if you'd like to keep up with the show or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result. You can also find this podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes your Apple Podcasts, your Google Podcasts, your Spotify Podcasts, your Player FMs, your Anchor. Uh, wherever we've been, there we are. All right. So, until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And remember to make it.
Just the one that you hope be the one you the one you need. Don't run. See you guys. See you next week. <laughs>